Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. I guess I'll start with this. I didn't want to pause everything just to say I needed to use the washroom. So as I was headed out there, I passed by this little girl, Jenny. Where is she? I can't see her. And, and uh, she came to church this morning, and she brought a loony and a quarter in her shiny Sunday purse. And so cute. And when the offering came around, she dropped in the quarter, not the loony. And... Just a moment ago, I heard her mom ask her why, and she said, you know what, I was going to give the loony, but just before Pastor George prayed, he said that God loves a cheerful giver, and I definitely knew I'd be a lot more cheerful if I just gave the quarter. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so take that as you understand it, right? And You know... <laughs> And, and, and in relation to what's coming up with baptism um, and everything that's happening in the church, there was a, a long time ago, this is a long story, um, there, uh, on a Saturday afternoon, sitting on the windowsill was a little boy named Brad and his cat, and uh, I don't know if it's in relation to our pastor, Brad, but Brad's mother heard him talking to the cat in, in such a way, and so she went around to see what he was doing, and she heard him preaching God's word to the cat. And she went about the weekend laundry going, I guess that's okay. But then as the washing machine quieted down, all of a sudden she heard fussing. And you know what a cat sounds like. You know, stuff like that, right? And, and so she went upstairs to see what was going on. She saw little Brad had the cat in the kitchen sink filled with water. And so she tried to explain to him that cats don't really like water, to which Brad sharply replied, he should have thought of that before he joined the church. <laughs> so. <laughs> Baptism. It's a good time. <laughs> good intro for next week, yes. So. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Now, I, I guess I got to ask this question. Uh, this morning, as we entered into Shout to the Lord, right? That, that's the name of the song. How many people were just hit your happy place with the Lord? That shows you how old you are and when you met Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, I could feel the room. I, I could feel the, the just like the crackly voice. Like just, it just rose to a crescendo and... God met you where you were, uh, as he did me. Because like Pastor George said, yeah, I was born again in this church, and as uh, Pastor Jan said, I slithered in and walked out, uh, which was accurate, because I wasn't the nicest guy. And so as, as we dig into his word, it, it's true of what God does in a human heart and with a human life, as we allow him to. And so coming from Pastor Charlotte's message last week, living in the light of eternity, great message. To live with the end in mind, where we reach heaven and we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Instead of just hearing, well, and that's it. Like, who wants to reach heaven and just hear that? Well, Come on in. Thanks. Thanks for being here. That's not the goal. I don't think any Christian desires that. And from last week's message, I believe questions come up. They arise in my heart because I'm a little different. You know, Pastor Charlotte will say, okay, here's the, here's the, the name of the message. And, and I was born six weeks early, right? And so I'm different. And so usually when I hear the word and, and I hear someone speak, questions come up in my heart, and, and some of those questions that arose are questions like this. How do I live? How do I live in the light of eternity? H how? Right? Like, because there's part that's just ethereal, and there's part that where the rubber meets the road. Because uh, Ecclesiastes 3 says the, that God has put eternity in our hearts. 
So if I'm going to live in the light of eternity, and it's already been placed in my heart, how do I access it? Amen? And so if we can live in the light of eternity, can we experience eternity now? That's another question. And if so, would it change our lives? If we could experience now, would it experience eternity now, would it change our lives? And if so, how would it change our lives? Would it change others' lives? So as we dig into this, let's just pray over his word for him to unpack these questions and empower these words that they wouldn't be mine but his. So Father, today, thank you for your word, that it is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword that goes in to the midst of our heart and cuts out that which isn't right and places in that which is truth and life to everyone that hears it. And so I ask, Lord, that your words would do just that for each and every one of us, myself included, in Jesus' name, amen. So if God wants to answer these questions for us, where would he begin? Most people would say, well, at the beginning of the book. Maybe at the beginning of someone searching. And so he led me to John chapter 3. And if you want to turn there or open up your Bible app to John chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says this, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's pretty interesting. There's a lot to unpack there. This guy's a ruler of the Jews, super smart guy, and he shows up at night. Most of the time, nothing that happens at night is good right? <laughs> He's breaking some customs and some rules to go to a heretic named Jesus at night. But he has questions. He's wondering what is going on. He's basically saying, I've been watching you. Something's different about you because God is with you. And so you have to be somebody special, but what you say is completely different than a lot of things I believe, the customs that I live for. And we're going to change microphones. Chat, chat. That's better. That sounded very heavenly, didn't it? <laughs> and God said. We'll go Southern Alabama. In the God, he said, can I get amen? amen. Nicodemus, that's who we were talking about. Something's different, he's saying. And so he's asking him, who are you? Without saying it, he's saying, so who are you? Because God is clearly with you because of these signs, because there were stories Everywhere. Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, it says that it came to pass when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Immediately coming up from the water, a voice came from heaven and said, You are my son with whom I am well pleased. That's a story that's going to make some traction. Right? Heaven opens up. A voice from heaven declares, You are my son. That'll have something to do with it. Another story that he probably would have heard was after that, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness and in Luke chapter four, it says that he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news went throughout the region about him. And at that time in Matthew four, it says that he began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or is now or has drawn near. So all of these stories and so much more, Nicodemus would have heard. And he's saying to him, I've heard those. And it's causing me to question. And so how does Jesus respond? 
Verse 3 to 8, Jesus answers and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's interesting. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't say, I'll tell you who I am. He just says, unless one is born again, he cannot see, see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So first he says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. And unless you are born of water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And then he says this, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus is telling them that if you're born again, and that when you're born of the water and the spirit, which speaks of baptism, then there will be something that you will experience beyond something that happens up in your mind. There's going to be something that you feel, something that changes who you are. Living in the light of eternity starts with realizing that the, his eternity wants to come out of where he's placed it, which is in your heart. So he doesn't defend himself, but he speaks directly to Nicodemus's heart. These stories that you've heard, you can't see them because the kingdom is here. But you can't see that kingdom without being born again. That's why a lot of times if we want to change the world or change a worldly person or a secular person, it doesn't stick. You know why it doesn't stick? Because he can't see what you're talking about. He can't understand the concept that you're living. He doesn't understand the draw of the desire that you have already walked out with God because the door is closed. Like another part of the scripture says, the veil is still over their eyes. You and I must, as Christians, realize that the veil has to be opened first before eternal life or eternity can take root in a human heart. See, the kingdom is a realm which God dwells. In fact, You and I, the Bible says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit, a dwelling place of his kingdom. And so when you open the temple door, you can see into the kingdom. And then Jesus goes further. If you're born of water, speaks of baptism or further to that, a death to self. In those waters is a representation of Jesus' death. And resurrection. And as we die to ourselves, all of a sudden it opens us up to enter the kingdom. And then he obviously he gives an example of wind that when you feel it, you felt it. Amen. <laughs> I've heard it so many times. Uh, I remember being at this church so many years ago. It was a Catholic church, and they had a gospel, uh, well, no, they had they had a university choir. And they're singing a whole bunch of old Latin songs and things like that. And they finished their presentation with a gospel song, an old time gospel song. But as they began to sing that song, the presence of the almighty God entered and I could, my eyes were open and I could see a cloud coming in from the corner, just coming in and resting on everyone. And as they finished the song, because it was just part of their repertoire, all of a sudden just just went right back out. And I overheard everyone afterwards going, oh man, there was just something about that song. I just, I really don't understand it, but did you feel those goosebumps? What was the wind of the spirit, man? And he wanted to pick them up and just go, 
right? As a Christian, you're just saying, you, you, you felt it. I know you can't see it, but you felt it. So now let me tell you what you need to see because of what you felt. That's how when someone says to you, well, I just know that I know. What do you mean? Well, it's in my knower. Okay. Sounds extremely Albertan, doesn't it? <laughs> the wind of the Spirit. And then Jesus wraps it up in verses 9 to 16, where Nicodemus answers and says to him, how can these things be? I think Nicodemus was feeling something. I think he was feeling some sort of way. And he says, how can these things be? I'm connecting the stories with what you're telling me is the process. But how is it possible? And Jesus answers him in verse 10. Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Right? Like, isn't that like walking into a mob boss's complex and saying, yeah, bring some. He'll kill you. Right? It's over. Right there. It was nighttime already. There's so many times in Scripture where Jesus is a bad mama jamma. Right? Like, he just, he lays it out and you think, oh, that would get you knocked out right now. Right? In these days and age. How can you not know these things? What he's saying is, you're in the position of influence to hundreds of thousands and you don't recognize the very basics of what you are supposed to know. And then he says, most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. If you don't have that highlighted or underlined, that phrase matters so much more than you or I can understand. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And then he gives in this example. And Moses lifted up the serpent into, in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then in the original language, verse 16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Most translations say everlasting life. But the original language says the same word twice. And Jesus is saying to him, I am only sharing what I have seen and what I know. And when he says that the Son of Man must be lifted up, that you must accept a sacrifice for your life so that you will not perish. And when you don't perish, you will have you will have, look at your neighbor and say, have. Slap the other one and say, have. Thank you. You will have. See, this is, if you're a Christian, you already have this. You already have access to this. In fact, Jesus, who is our example, he's our savior. The Bible says that he's our brother, was sharing with a leader, a ruler of the Jews saying, I only speak what I know because he's seen it. I only testify of what I've heard because the Father has spoken it to me. And he said, if you would accept the sacrifice that's coming, you won't perish. You won't lose your life. But you'll gain something called eternal life. Living in the light of eternity starts with accessing eternal life right now. 
Now, that word eternal is important to understand. It goes so much further than the word eternity or everlasting. Because those words denote, especially in the original language, denote a length of time. Eternal denotes a quality of time. You shall have eternal life. That means that you shall have something that is life in God. You shall not perish. Your mind isn't going to waste away. You're not going to be taken away by the the lust of the flesh and, and all of the things that trap a human being. But you shall have access to life in God. What an incredible benefit for a Christian that we could live this life reaching heaven and hearing, well done, not because we just kept our eyes saying, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. Right? Like Pastor Paul, I think Pastor Charlotte said it, that it's, it's less about not sinning and more about living for him. That's eternal life. A life in God where you have access to a power that is not from you. It does not originate in you that you mustered up, but it comes from him. He came to save us. He came to save the Jews from striving. All those laws? A lot of people say, wow, I wish I was born back then. I don't. I can't keep those laws. I can barely keep the speeding law in Canada. Because I like a right foot down. I love it. I love it. I love it. I get it. That's the flesh. But yeah, God gave us adrenaline, right? Anyway. He gave us this eternal life so that we would enter his rest. Stop striving to get it right and get everything right and make sure everybody else is getting everything right. Right? (laughs) To enter his rest in him, which is eternal, life in God, that you should not perish but have life in God. That's what you can write down. That's what that scripture means, that if you believe in him, You should not perish, but have life in God. So, we're starting to answer that question. Yes, we can experience the eternal right now. And so how? Let me prime a pump for you. Get you a little bit excited. As my notes crashed. Jesus said this in verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, saying to Nicodemus, we speak what we know and we testify or we share what we have seen. This is an example. It's a foreshadowing. Because I'll say this, his eternal life follows his purpose. His eternal life, life in him, follows his purpose, not ours. You know, so many times we plan things and we go, okay, let's pray and just ask God to bless this, (laughs) right? And so many times in the back of my head, I just hear, moo, you know, like I just, it's this calf. (laughs) All right, we built this mother, let's have him brought it. (laughs) I told you I was different. And this is where the book of John and the rest of the Gospels explodes with examples from this moment here. And Jesus demonstrates eternal life to you and I. In John chapter 3, verses 27 to 30, I don't think I gave it to him, but Jesus is, he's baptizing as well. And John's disciples, John the Baptist, his disciples are saying, hey, what's the deal with this? You're the baptizer. Why is Jesus being the baptizer? And John responds this way. He says, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. 
but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. See, because John is the one that baptized Jesus and the voice came from heaven. This is my son. So John's like, okay, I guess my job's done. I provided the way to the king, the savior. And he says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. And no, this has nothing to do with weight loss. All right? He must increase, I must decrease. This is the beginning of the process of walking in eternal life. Saying in your heart, daily if need be, you must increase, I must decrease, my desires must decrease, my way must decrease. Because if it's life in God, it's not life in Joe with God, it's life in God. So John the Baptist declares who Jesus is, and it's funny because this is an eternal struggle. I don't have this in my notes, but later on, John sends his disciples to Jesus, and they say to him, uh, we just want to know, are you the coming king or should we look for another? You're like, this is John the Baptist. This is the man. Jesus said that he was the, he was the most important prophet of all of history. And you know what Jesus responds with? Go tell, in the original language, it says, go tell John again, again, what you see and you hear. The blind see, the deaf hear. People are raised to life. John had become offended because he didn't want to let go of the role that he had already, like he said, fulfilled. You know what that means? Forget who you are or who you think you are. You must decrease so that he will increase. Guys have the biggest trouble with this. So what do you do? Well, I am a this. No, you aren't. You're Blake, right? No, you're not. You're Joe. No, you're not. You're Mark. What you do is just an extension of what God's put in you, but it's not who you are. John got caught up in who he was, and he, and he allowed the enemy to lock him down in saying, well, no, I need to be important. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about you, but if Jesus, the Son of God, said in the Bible you were one of the most important prophets. I'd go, yes, I am. Hall of Famer. Boom. I'd be like, yes, I'm retiring right now. Barbados is calling. Or wherever he would have went. <laughs> it's hot there anyway, so. Maybe he'd come to Canada. I don't know. So John starts the process. I must increase, but or he must increase, but I must decrease. And then in John chapter four, Jesus is headed a place and, and the Bible says that he must stop in Samaria. When you study the scripture and you study the maps, no, he didn't need to go to Samaria. In fact, Jews don't go to Samaria. Jews, Jews don't go to Samaria because Samarians, Samarians hate Jews and they kill them. On the road as they traveled, they used to murder them. So Jesus goes, hey, I got to go there. And his disciples are probably thinking, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't know if I'm coming. And so he shows up and he gets to Jacob's well and he's tired. He's weary from the walk. And the disciples go into town because he probably had to go in twos or threes. <laughs> so you could actually get some food and not get beat up. And he's there and there's a woman that meets him at the well, right? And Jesus reads her mail. He declares to her what she did in her life. He said, go call your husband. And she goes, I don't have, he goes, she goes, I don't have a husband. He goes, that's right, you've had five. And the one that you're with isn't actually your husband. And she goes, say what now? That's an example. First, if we would allow him to increase and we would decrease, then God can read our mail and tell us where we need to be. And that's eternal life. That's an eternal life of how God changes you on the inside. And so he does it to her. 
He reveals the eternal life that it's uncorruptible. That even though he's breaking customs by even talking to a woman, he's breaking customs that Jews don't mix with Samaritans. He's breaking customs. He's showing that this eternal life is uncorruptible. That once he changes in you, he's changed in you. Then John chapter 5 Jesus goes to a man who's by the pool of Bethesda, if I said that correctly. And, and he walks up to him and he says, hey, do you want to be made well? And the guy goes, well, I got no one to throw me in the water when the angel stirs it. And he's like, well, just pick up your bed and go. <laughs> he, just, he just said, he didn't, there was no fanfare, right? There wasn't a, a beautiful violin playing in the background. He just said, okay, get up, you're healed. And he goes, what? And he gets up. He grabs his bed. It's the Sabbath, so he's not allowed to, but he just gets to walk in. Why? Because the guy who healed him gave him some eternal life that his physical body of the right now needed a life in God to set him free from what held him in bondage. If someone did that for you or me, we'd say, well, I don't care if we're not supposed to shop on Sunday. I guess I'm going to the store. Jesus said, go to the store. So he gets up. And they want to kill Jesus. First they say, who told you you can take your bed and walk? They didn't care. They knew who he was. They knew that he was lying there, destitute, can't move, can't walk. They didn't care about that. See, the rules of religion don't care about your situation. They only care that you follow the rules. And Jesus says, watch this. And so he goes, I, actually, I don't even know who told me. Get up. I don't even know who healed me. And he goes searching around. He goes, oh, yeah, it's that guy, Jesus. And they seek to kill him. And Jesus says to them when he, they finally reach him, he says this. He goes, hey, I only do what I see my father doing. And they go, Ex uh, excuse me? Who, who, who are you? Because you're not following the rules. Therefore, you can't be of God. And Jesus goes further. He says, for what he does, the Father, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. This is when they lose their mind and they want to kill him. Because they're like, that's blasphemy. And Jesus is showing that what he shared with Nicodemus. This eternal life affects not only the head, not only the heart, but affects your body. And it doesn't matter what the rules are. This is healing. Healing is part of eternal life. Then in John chapter 6, Jesus goes over the Sea of Galilee. He gets up on a big mountain. He starts preaching. And guess what? 5,000 men, the Bible say, show up to hear him. It gets late. There's potentially 15,000 people there. And he goes, so you guys want to buy some food for him? And the disciples say, Jesus, are you nuts? We got nothing. We got no money. And Jesus says, well, go grab, you know, five loaves and two fishes from that boy. <laughs> Snatch his lunch. And let's see what can happen. And the boy gives it. I don't think they took it. But I don't know. Peter was pretty rough. Peter might have took it. And the, and the Bible just records that he gave it. But, I, yeah, no, probably not. And, and they all eat. And there's 12 baskets that come up. What, is that, what does that mean? That's provision. Eternal life is provision. So it unlocks here, unlocks here, it unlocks this, and it provides for you right here and right now. I could continue account after account after account, but the truth is, for the sake of time, he continues to reveal what eternal life is to those that follow him. And then as we get to the end of John, he adds a very important part to this process. It was hinted at in the feeding of the multitude, what you and I need. And if you want to turn to John chapter 14, the Bible says this, Jesus speaking, this is actually at the Last Supper, and he says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper. Someone say helper that he may abide with you forever. Say forever. Mm. 
the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, here it goes, sees him nor knows him. But you know him. You know him. We'll get to that. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And then further on in verse 26, he says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. You need a helper, let's be honest. Every single man needs a helper. Amen? Every husband needs a helper. Try to read one of your wife's texts. You need a helper, right? My wife doesn't read her texts. She just sends them. It's and, and so many times I respond with a question mark. She responds with a laughing face to my question mark because it's unintelligible communication. So I need a helper because otherwise I will be divorced. Amen? <laughs> a single man needs a helper because you don't know where you're going, right? Each one of us needs a helper. And what Jesus is saying is this eternal life is too precious a thing to not have help walking it out. You will know him and he will tell you things right now and he will tell you things to come. Why? Because you need help planning. I must decrease so the Holy Spirit, our helper, can increase and help me plan what I'm supposed to be and do. That's eternal life. You need a helper. And the truth is, eternal life has a voice. Why else would Jesus say that he will teach you all things unless there's a voice? As a pastor, when you're preparing a message, you just simply sit there half the time and listen for his voice. What do I say now? Because I got nothing. <laughs> and most of the time, he shares with you stuff that you need just as much as the people in the rows do. In fact, I remember one time, and I think I said this before, saying, God, oh, I'm not worthy of that, you know, or how could I possibly do this or that? Um, I'm just not ready. I don't feel super spiritual. And he said, you know what, Jordan? Sometimes I move in spite of you. Well, yeah, I've, thank you, Jesus, right? I felt like Nicodemus. Shouldn't you know this by now? <laughs> Eternal life is tangible. It's a tangible power which empowers you and I, which then Jesus sums up this. Here's the, the crux of eternal life. It's at the end of supper, again, what we call the upper room discourses, and he prays, John chapter 17, verse 1 to 3, which speaks back to his conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus spoke these words, verse 1, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. And as you have given him authority over all flesh, and that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. There it is. Okay. Jesus is praying. And this is what he says. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. Life. This is access to life in God that you know Him. Not you prayed a prayer, not you followed the steps, not that you were a good boy and you're on Santa's good list. I love it. My six year old tells the neighbors, there's no Santa. <laughs> That's fake. And I go, yeah. We almost lost a neighbor because of that, actually. <laughs> My daughter said that, and we, heard, we overheard the mom screaming, <laughs> screaming out the window at our daughter. Don't break my daughter's heart. Yeah. Anyway, that's extra. That is a different message altogether. 
How to hanger, handle an angry Karen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, eternal life is knowing God. Not that Karen. That's a good Karen, actually, over there. And that word know is a very interesting word. It finds its root in a verse from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. 23 and 24, and it says this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. See, as Christians, we, could, we can fall trapped to that as well. Amen? God favors you, God blesses you, and you start thinking, hey, look, look, I, I got this thing figured out. And God says, shut your hole. Verse 24 says, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Why did God do this? Jeremiah says, you can know why. You can understand him. I'll tell you this. When I read that verse a few weeks ago, it just, it just hit me to the core that I can understand him because he wants to be understood. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know his motives and know him that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Understand and know. Here's the root word. The word know it is the word yada, if I'm pronouncing it properly. And you know what yada means? It means being intimate. In fact, yada is the same word from the book of Genesis where the Bible says Adam knew Eve and they conceived. Yada. Adam, yada, with Eve and they conceived. There's an intimacy that God desires you and I to have with them. So I shouldn't just say yada, I should say tada. Like this is the, <laughs> this is the answer. He desires that you know him intimately. The access point to eternal life is to know him. To understand him. And why? Why is experiencing eternal life change everything? Why does it take away all striving? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus instructs them to wait in Jerusalem after he rises from the dead to wait for Pentecost. And the Bible says this, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Or another translation says, you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in all the earth. You shall be my witnesses. Why do we need to know him? Why do we need eternal life coursing through our veins to be a witness? Well, what's a witness? Well, in a trial, in a court, they call what? Witnesses. Why? To describe what they've seen so that you can know what is true. That's why they have them swear on the Bible, or now who knows what they swear on anymore. Why do they call a witness? To describe what they know. What did so-and-so do on this day in your presence? Well, I know they did this. To describe what they've experienced. Are you getting what a witness is? The Bible says faith without works is dead. Can I get a witness? <laughs> right? What you know, I'll tell you this, someone needs to hear. What you've seen, someone else needs that picture of hope in their life. Where you felt the wind of the Spirit breathe on you, someone needs the hearts of their, the doors of their heart opened or pried open. Some are rusty. Some have become, even Christians like John the Baptist, do we look for another? 
Do I look for another way to heaven? Do I look for another way for comfort? No, you don't. This is where I've felt the wind of the Spirit. This is how I've gotten to know him intimately. Because eternal life can be experienced in your very next breath. Yesterday, I met this guy at McDonald's. I took my kids there because my daughter and wife were at a basketball tournament out of town. And as they're playing or whatever else, he came and he sat down. I think I recognized him and said, hey, so-and-so. And he came and sat down. And after 30 years of marriage, he said his wife passed away. I said, geez, I'm so sorry. Like, wow, I didn't know. And he said he was at home alone. And he simply just cried out to God. He said, I need you now. He said, because I, like, I, I've not been alone for 30 some years. And she passed within this last year. And as he cried out, I need you now, he welled up and he said, a tangible love surrounded him, overwhelmed him, pressed on his chest, and he said, I'm not an emotional man, but I just broke down because he met me when I cried out to him. Eternal life can be experienced in your very next breath. You must just ask. God is close. The Bible says he's closer than, than your breath. He knows you all together. He knows the, the thoughts in your mind, even from afar off. He sees you naked. And he's not shocked. Right? <laughs> my wife's saying, don't say what's in my mind right now. She knows what I'm thinking. When our heart is open like our examples in John, here's the truth. And the reason why I held those scriptures till now is you don't need to be told to tell. The examples that we first talked about. John chapter 4, verse 28 to 30. The Bible says this, the woman then left her water pot. The only reason she came out to the well and she came out in a time of day where no one's going to be around because she's so, she's so shamed by her condition and by her life. And she just leaves her water, part, water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see the man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? When eternal life impacts your life, you don't have to be told to go tell your story. What have you seen? What has he said? How have you felt? That is now yours for eternity, length of time, to share with anyone around you. And the result, verse 30, they went out of the city and came to Jesus. How about John chapter 5? The man who took up his bed. Well, I already mentioned it. He immediately was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath the Jews therefore said to him, who was cured? Is it the Sabbath? Is it not unlawful to take up your bed? And he said, hey, he who made me well said, take up your bed and walk. So I did. Right? <laughs> they just, he said to do it. And I've experienced something I've never experienced my entire life. I now have hope. So I don't think I care about your rules anymore. Isn't it true? When you've experienced a healing, it doesn't matter what other people think or say. It's happened in you. No one can take away what's happened in you. And Jesus said, you're to be a witness of what's happened in you. How does eternal life take root? Telling somebody. How do I live in light of eternity? Take what you know and go give it to somebody. Then Jesus in John chapter 6, after he feeds 5,000 men, the Bible says this, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him a king, he departed again to the mountains to be alone. 
Nobody had to tell that crowd of 5,000 men, we, we need this guy to lead us. He just provided supernaturally for all thousands of us. He needs to be our leader. Because most leaders, especially in our country, just take, sorry, I shouldn't have said it. And here's a leader they find that just gives and gives abundantly, provides instead of takes. Acts the tax. Anyway, and so... <laughs> the crowd, the crowd. <laughs> I will never preach again, so it should be good. <laughs> and if it's not that, find a leader. You, you don't have to tell a crowd to not start another crowd because who can't deny telling other people where you can get free food, right? Like, <laughs> this dude fed us. It didn't cost me anything. Come right? Most outreaches start with, and you get a free burger, right? <laughs> okay, I'm coming. In each occurrence in the scripture where God's eternal life touched a human heart, they wanted to share their story. They didn't have to be told to not share their story. It's human nature to share what is great. And this life, this eternal life that God offers is so much better than the what's new at Costco Facebook page, right? And so if you ask, what are the steps to experiencing eternal life? We can look at them from what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Number one, salvation. To see eternal life, you must be born again. To see what's on the menu, you must first get inside the restaurant. And he has left the doorway unhindered. He says, if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected, you shall be saved. Now you can see. Now you can see what he offers when you get to know him. Number two, commitment. To enter eternal life, Jesus said, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. You must allow, ask yourself, decrease, right? Like the Bible says, you speak to yourself. Praise, self. Get down, self. Get away. I desire him more than I desire what I want. And at that sacrifice and laying down in those waters, so here's a plug for baptism, that's a declaration of you saying, I am accepting this sacrifice and I am living for him. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, that's when you enter eternal life. Obedience allows you to enter this substance called eternal life. And then number three, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, hey, look, you got to be born of the water and the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, like Acts chapter 1 says, you get so much more of eternal life. I want to share with you this little video here. When you pray in your heavenly language, there are studies that show that the receptive parts of your brain will actually light up on certain scans. Physiologically, it doesn't make sense. As a neurosurgeon, it doesn't make sense. But when you pray in your heavenly language, your receptive areas of the brain, which is the temporal parietal areas on the sides versus the front, those are what light up. Well, what's that about? It's because now you have just submitted yourself to the Holy Spirit. And you are in receptive listening mode. And so it's the Holy Spirit then that communicates with your spirit and powers your earth suit. That's the only explanation for that. Isn't that good? See, another, another study showed that they hooked up pastors and Christians that spoke in tongues, and they're like, you know what's really weird is the frontal lobe that creates speech, that's your language area of your brain, goes dormant. He's, it said, first pray just in normal language, and he said the frontal lobe is lit up, and then he said, now pray in tongues, and immediately the frontal lobe just went silent. 
And then this neurosurgeon goes a step further. The sides, which are receptors of what you receive from God, light up as soon as you begin to pray in the Spirit. Come on! Man, if that doesn't bring you to shout to the Lord, right? He's given us every availability to enter this life, my friends. That's why when we've walked the steps, eternal life has its work. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit. When that happens, we personally see the change. See, when you and I become a witness and we share what we've seen and experienced, the Bible's very clear, and Pastor Charlotte pointed it out last week. Colossians chapter 3 says this, if you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. That's where you focus your heart and your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth, for you died, that's the commitment, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, that's when you appear with him in glory. In glory means in his power. It's not in your strength anymore, but it's in his. So when eternal life appears and you're moving in the power of his spirit, you're just there as a participant. You're there with your recorder on going, man, this is going to be a good story to tell my friends. This is going to be a good story to tell at work. This is going to be a good story to tell my family who doesn't know you. Second Corinthians then 4 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Why do you think the, the disciples, Jesus sent out the 12 and then he sent out the 72, they returned saying, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. This is awesome. And he said, yeah, that's cool, but that's a byproduct. You should rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. See, see how we a lot of times get our focus off? If I just make heaven. No, that's already secured. Live eternal life now is what Jesus said. Get to know him by digging into his word. Get to know him by stepping out and saying, well, I could pray for you. And then realize what he's done in each one of those moments. And that causes you to understand his nature. It causes you to know his heart. And that's when you've got a story to tell for eternity. So how do I itemize it? I'll ask you these questions. What have you seen? It doesn't matter if you've seen it 20 years ago. What have you seen? What have you walked out? Where has he provided for you like he did the 5,000? Where has he changed your entire identity like he did with the woman at the well? When has he ever rocked your mind so much that it changed your thinking forever like he did Nicodemus? How can this be? Well... It is, because I am, is what Jesus is saying. God has simply tasked us to tell what we know. Tell the story, for no one can refute what you've experienced. Remember what they say? They say science is what is observed. Eternal life, then, is scientific fact, because you've observed it. If you've known Jesus for more than a week, you've observed his touch. You've observed his provision. You have observed his salvation. That's fact. And that is something that can be shared because it cannot be taken away from you. So as I close today, I'll give you this takeaway. To experience eternal life, here's the takeaway. There is so much more to know and understand because there is so much more to share. You want to walk and experience eternal life? Get to know. Engage nights, get to know his heart. I'm not a feely person. Just get there. Just like the guy at McDonald's. I'm not a crier, but I wept like a baby. 
And I'm like, wow, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Most guys don't. Because there's a world out there that is perishing. And living in the light of eternity is living to get to know so that you, we can get to share with those that are perishing. So, as we close and pray, let's ask ourselves, where do I need to decrease? What is stopping me from allowing him to increase? Where am I in the process from seeing and entering eternal life? Do I need to make a commitment of baptism? Do I need to say, no, I'm going to set my mind on things above instead of just chasing this, this dream of more? Because I will tell you this, that from coming back here after 10 years away, the drive to be somebody is off the charts here. I got to be different. I got to set the pace. I, I've got to be. Just know him. He'll make you somebody because he is. That's as, that's as much striving as the Jews did back then when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. Can you see that? He's made you who you are. And if you can rest in that, he'll share with you eternal life to make you that much more effective on who you are. Who's in my circle of influence that needs to hear my witness? And finally, what do I need to know? What is something that you just, you don't know yet of him? And you'd say to yourself, I need to know what God says about this, what he feels about that. And it's in that moment that you'll enter that portion of eternal life to share with you don't know who. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example. Thank you for the moment that you had with Nicodemus where you outlined this life that you desire each and every human on this earth. You desire that none perish, but every single one of us enters into eternal life. Not when we die, but when we live today and tomorrow. And we're asking God that you would pinpoint our hearts, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one of us right now what maybe we need to let go of, maybe what we need to stop chasing, maybe what we need to just lay down to let you in, to transform us on the inside, to enter your eternal realm right now. In Jesus' name. Speak to our heart right now to set us alive with your purpose and your plan to be a witness as we live in the light of eternity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. that's you today and you don't see eternity with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and you would say today I, I need to make that decision like you offered to Nicodemus I want to see eternity and to do that I must be born again and today you would say this is my day to commit to say yes I believe that you were sent by God. I believe that you died in my place and you rose again to set me free. I believe that you are my Savior. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you haven't made that commitment, I see your hand. Yeah, I see that hand. And I feel another call. <laughs> if you've seen the kingdom, but you haven't entered in, and you're saying, you know what? Yeah, God, you are challenging me right now 
to commit. And you would say today, God, I want to acknowledge that I am committing my heart, my life, my will to yours today. Just raise your hand to him. Yeah, this is your conversation with him. Yeah, I want to commit today. Maybe you've already been baptized and it's not about baptism, but it's about committing and saying, no, I want to decrease so that you would increase. I want to experience this eternal life which was shared today. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray this prayer with each one that raised their hand. Say this, say, Father, I believe in Jesus Christ that he is the only Son of God sent from heaven to die in my place to set me free. I accept his sacrifice and the instruction that he gives to enter into eternal life. Change me. Fill my heart with your power and your spirit. Baptize me in the power of your spirit that I may be a witness to what I understand and to what I know of who you are and what you can do. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, touch each heart in this room. Those that have made a first-time commitment and those that are committing fresh right now, that your life would become alive in each one that you would prick our hearts to, to take the opportunity to share what we know to help somebody else enter eternity with us. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.